Merry Christmas, everyone. And I mean that sincerely because you might be wondering, what do we have to be merry about? Well, for starters, that 2020 is almost over and the vaccine is on the way. Let's be a, at least a little bit joyful about that. But this has been a tough year and I've been thinking about some of the little things that got lost for me over the last 10 months. Silly things like, like I haven't had a decent haircut since last February. I mean, raise your hand if this year you've used the dog clippers on yourself or your children. I mean, I can't be the only one, right? And I realized I haven't uh, taken anything to the dry cleaners since last February either. I mean, you don't need to dry clean sweatpants. And in the past 10 months, I've only eaten two meals at the Prestige Diner across from the church. And that used to be my second office. I mean, before the COVID crisis, I'd sometimes eat four or five meals a week at the diner because of meetings with people, but all that was lost. And more important things were lost, like, like family gatherings. My father-in-law's in a care facility in Vermont and due to all the restrictions, we couldn't go and help celebrate his 90th birthday and that hurt. And I'm sure you have your own list of losses and struggles. So, so what do we have to be merry about? Well, the meanings of words change over time. And if you go back to the original Old English, the meaning of the word merry was closer to the word mighty than the word happy. It was used in phrases like merry old England, which didn't describe everyone going to the pub on Friday night to hoist a pint, but described mighty England or invincible England, the kind of England that could stand, stand up against the Spanish Armada. Or the phrase Robin Hood and his merry men. I mean, that's not about a bunch of guys running through the woods in tights eating deer jerky. Originally, the meaning of a phrase like Robin Hood and his merry men was more like Robin Hood and his super friends. Merry equals mighty. Or these words from an old Christmas carol that's not as popular these days because I think we've lost the original meaning. God rest ye merry, gentlemen. Let nothing ye dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray, O tidings of comfort and joy. God rest ye merry, comma. The phrase means to rest on, to hold on to, to hold in position, to kind of park your life on this. Stay mighty, gentlemen. Don't let the world get you down. Christ has saved us from Satan's power. And that's the meaning we need for Merry Christmas today. Not just to try and be happy and have a glass of eggnog, but as an instruction to hold on to Christ who is the mighty one, to have a mighty indestructible Christmas because of who lay in that manger that first Christmas morning. Have a merry, mighty Christmas. That's my wish for you and for all of us. Now, I'm sure most of you have heard the Christmas story many times in your life. We've talked about it this year from the viewpoint of Joseph and Mary, the shepherds and the magi. Tonight, we're gonna to hear the story of Jesus' birth from the vantage point of two fictional angels who observe what's going on in Bethlehem from somewhere in heaven. It's a short story called The Visited Planet by J.B. Phillips. I've revised it a bit and it goes like this. Once upon a time, a very young angel was being shown around the splendors and glories of the universe by a senior and more experienced angel. To tell the truth, the little angel was getting tired and a little bored. He'd been shown whirling stars and blazing suns, infinite distances and in the cold of interstellar space. And to his mind, there seemed to be an awful lot of it. 
And finally, he was shown the galaxy of which our planet is but a small part. As the two of them drew near to the star which we call our sun and to its circling planets, the senior angel pointed to a small and rather insignificant blue sphere turning very slowly on its axis. It looked as dull as a dirty tennis ball to the little angel whose mind was still filled with the size and splendor of all that he had seen. I want you to really watch that one, said the senior angel, pointing with his finger. It looks very small and very ordinary to me, said the little angel. What's so special about that one? Well, replied the senior solemnly, that is the visited planet. Visited, said the little one. You don't mean visited by, indeed I do. That ball, which I have no doubt looks to you very tiny and insignificant and not very interesting, has been visited by our young prince of glory. And at these words, he bowed his head reverently. But how, asked the younger one, do you mean that our great and glorious prince, with all these wonders and splendors of his creation, with millions more that I'm sure I haven't even seen yet, that he went down in person to this silly, silly little ball? Why should he do such a thing? It isn't for us to question his wise, said the senior a little more stiffly, except that I must point out to you that he is not as impressed by size and numbers as you seem to be. But that he really went down there, I know for sure. And all of us in heaven who know anything, we know that. As to why he became one of them, how else do you suppose he could visit them? Little Angel's face wrinkled in disgust. Do you mean to tell me that he stooped so low as to become one of those creeping, crawling creatures of that floating ball? I do. And I don't think he would like to, you to call them creepy, crawling creatures in that tone of voice. For strange as it may seem to us, he loves them. He went down to visit them, to lift them up to become like him. The little angel looked blank. Such a thought was almost beyond his comprehension. Close your eyes for a moment, said the senior angel, and we will go back in what they call time. And while the little angel's eyes were closed and the two of them moved nearer to the spinning ball, it stopped its spinning and then spun backwards quite fast for a while and then slowly resumed its usual rotation. Now look, and as the little angel did as he was told, there appeared here and there on the dull surface of the globe little flashes of light, some for only a moment and some persisting for quite a time. Well, what am I seeing now, asked the little angel. You are watching this little world as it was thousands of years ago, returned his companion. Every flash and glow of light that you see is something of the Father's wisdom and his love breaking into the minds and hearts of people who live upon the earth. Not many people, you see, can hear his voice or understand what he says, even though he is speaking gently and quietly to them all the time. Why are they so blind and deaf and stupid, asked the junior angel rather crossly. It is not for us to judge them. We who live in the splendor have no idea what it is like to live in the dark. We hear the music and the voice like the sound of many waters every day of our lives, but to them... Well, there is much darkness and much noise and much distraction upon the earth. Only a few who are quiet and humble and wise can hear his voice. But watch, for a moment, you will see something truly wonderful. Well, the earth went on turning and circling around the sun, and then quite suddenly, in the upper half of the globe, there appeared a light, tiny, but so bright in its intensity that both the angels had to hide their eyes. I think I can guess, said the little angel in a low voice. That was the visit, 
wasn't it? Yes, that was the visit. The light himself went down there and lived among them, but in a moment, and you'll be able to tell that even with your eyes closed, the light will go out. But why? Could he not bear their darkness and stupidity? Did he have to return here? No, it wasn't that returned the senior angel, and his voice was stern and rather sad. They failed to recognize him for who he was, or at least only a handful knew him. For the most part, they preferred their darkness to his light, and in the end, they killed him. Those fools, those crazy fools, they don't deserve, neither you nor I, nor any other angel knows why they were so foolish and so wicked. Nor can we say what they deserve or don't deserve, but the fact remains, they killed our Prince of Glory while he was a man amongst them. And that, I suppose, was the end. I see the whole earth has gone black and dark. All right, I won't judge them, but surely that is all they could expect. Wait, we are still far from the end of the story of the visited planet. Watch now and be ready to cover your eyes again. In the utter blackness, the earth turned round three times, and then there blazed with unbearable radiance a single point of light. What now? asked the little angel, shielding his eyes. They killed him all right, but he conquered death. The thing most of them dread and fear all their lives, he broke and he conquered. He rose again, and a few of them saw him, and from then on became his utterly devoted servants. Well, thank God for that said the little angel. Amen. Open your eyes now. The dazzling light has gone. The prince has returned to his home of light. But watch the earth now. As they looked in the place of the dazzling light, there was a bright glow which throbbed and pulsated. And as the earth turned many times, little points of light spread out. A few flickered and died, but for the most part, the lights burned steadily. And as they continued to watch, in many parts of the globe, there was a glow over many areas. You see what is happening, asked the senior angel. The bright glow is the company of loyal men and women whom he left behind. And with his help, they now spread the glow, and now the light begins to shine over all the earth. Yes, yes, said the little angel impatiently, but how does it end? Will the little lights join up and meet each other? Will it be able to light completely light as it is in heaven? The senior angel shook his head. We simply do not know. It is in the Father's hands. Sometimes it is agony to watch, and sometimes it is joy unspeakable. As angels, we don't know God's whole plan, only that the end is not yet. But now I'm sure you can see why this little ball is so important. He has visited it. He is working out his plan upon it. Yes, I see, though I don't fully understand I shall never forget that this is the visited planet, the end. I like that story because it helps me to understand one really important thing about God. God has a timetable for his plan of salvation. He has a timetable for everything that happens and he is working it out even today. We see that God's timetable is all over the Christmas story. God had been telling the world for centuries that he was going to send a Messiah, a Savior. Throughout the entire Old Testament, through all his interactions with the people of Israel, God had been telling them a Messiah was coming. He laid out clues in the prophets, kind of breadcrumbs throughout Scripture, to create a trail that would one day lead people to the manger. 
But God waited thousands of years for just the right time to send his son. And people back then and people today, we all still ask, why didn't God send Christ the Messiah sooner? Why then? Why there? Why those circumstances? As human beings, we often tend to think we know better than God and that he needs our advice on how to run the universe. But God is God. And he had his own timetable for Christmas. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were captives, so that God could adopt us as his very own children. We don't know exactly why God sent Jesus when he did, but we know it was the right time to accomplish what God wanted to do. And the same thing is true in your life today. The year 2020 was not a surprise to God. The pandemic was not a surprise to him. Though many of our plans may have been upset this past year, God's plan goes on uninterrupted. God has a timetable for this plan. I think he has a timetable for your life. You may not know exactly what is the right, uh, what, what, is, what it is right now, but you can trust that his timing is perfect. God has been with you this past year. He got you all the way to this point tonight. So he is with you now, and he will continue to be with you into the coming year. He's got you for 2021. Of that you can be sure. But God does not tell us the details in advance, and that's the frustrating thing. God has a timetable for our lives, but he doesn't lay it all out in advance. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has given them a desire to know the future. He does everything just right and on time, but people can never completely understand what he is doing. You see, God didn't tell Israel when Jesus would come, but the Bible says Jesus came at the right time. You and I know exactly, would like to know what exactly what's next in our lives. We want the full preview ahead of time. We want to know the future, but that is not how God works. God rarely lays everything out before us. Because first of all, it would overwhelm us if God told us everything about our life in the coming year or everything about our lives for the next decade. We'd likely want to run away from it. Or if God told you everything about your future, we'd probably want to change it. Maybe we try to change the bad parts and there will be bad parts mixed in with the good. That's inevitable in the sinful world that we live in. We're all affected by the brokenness of our world. We're all susceptible to disease. I mean, being a Christian doesn't give you automatic immunity to anything. Once when Jesus was asked about the fairness of life, he said, God causes his son to rise uh, on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. I mean, we're just like everyone else and receive both the good and the bad from the natural world. But God uses even the bad parts. God can use even suffering for his greater glory. He can take what's evil and make it into something good. And he can do that in your life too. But the most important reason God doesn't announce his timetable for us in advance is that he wants us to trust him. Everything God does in your life is because of his love for you. You've got to believe that. He wants you to trust him more today than you did yesterday. God is never in a hurry. He's never late. God isn't bound by time. He can be in the past, the present, and the future all at the same time. Because, you know, our view of time is bound by life on this earth, which rotates every 24 hours, travels around the sun every 365 days. God doesn't live on a planet. God isn't constrained by our physical space so he's timeless. He's never in a hurry, never late. When the people of Israel were awaiting the coming of Jesus, it probably seemed like God was taking forever. Many thought he was late, but the Bible says Jesus came at just the right time. Not a day too soon, 
not a day too late. To see that, to understand that, we really have to have God's perspective on time. God is mainly interested in the long game. 2 Peter 3.8 says, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord. A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. That's not how you and I look at time. When we're waiting on God to change a heart or meet a need or an answer a prayer, it feels like a thousand years. We don't like to wait, but God is timeless, and that has major implications for our lives. I know many people now feel like giving up. Giving up on themselves, giving up on their jobs, giving up on their marriages, their relationships, giving up on God because it's just taking too long. Whatever God is doing, it just seems to be taking too long. We want answers now because we don't think we have the endurance to wait it out. We don't have the strength to keep going day by day. It's just too exhausting mentally and physically and spiritually. And maybe that's you tonight. You're ready to throw in the towel. 2020 has been brutal for you. The dream for your life is bruised, maybe broken, and God doesn't want you to give up. God says this in Habakkuk 2.3, the vision will appear at the appointed time. It hurries towards its goal. It won't be false. If it's delayed, wait for it. It will certainly happen. It won't be late. There's a great word that describes God's overarching care for this world, his overarching care for your life. Do you know what that word is? Providence. Providence. God's got you. He's got you. His providential care has got you. God has promised his salvation to all who turn to Christ in humility and love. He's promised grace for each day. He has promised strength for the journey. He's promised guidance when we need it most. The birth of Jesus shows us that God is at work. He is working out his plan for this planet. And through Jesus, God has promised his presence to be with you always. God will make it happen. It just has to happen on his timetable, not yours. So wait for it, it's worth it. Those two angels, they saw God's grand plan of salvation play out from a heavenly vantage point. We see God's work play out on a much smaller scale. We are the beneficiaries of God's timing. We get to look back in joy to see all that God did to bring the saving love of Christ to walk this earth. And we get to look back on his birth and the wonder of how God orchestrated the universe to bring that about. But we also get to look forward, recognizing that the same God is still at work. His timing was perfect for Jesus, and his timing is perfect for you and for me. I know what it's like to want to rush God into giving us a clearer picture of the future. I personally, I have a lot of questions about what's going to happen in my life in 2021. I'm in a hurry to get a lot of answers from God, but God's timing is different. Slowly, steadily, he will unfold what lies ahead for each of us. God is not in a hurry. He has a plan that he will fulfill. His timing is always perfect and his love never fails. Our job is to get our hearts in sync with God's heart and to be ready in God's timing to seize the opportunities that he will bring. And so believing that, we can step into 2021 with great confidence and say, without hesitation, have a merry, mighty Christmas and a happy new year. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that it was at just the right time that Jesus came to be incarnate, born in the flesh of Mary in the manger, born to be our Messiah, born to be our Savior, born to be our risen King, and our reigning Lord. And so, Lord, we can trust you with the details of our lives. We know that your timing for us is perfect. Help us to have the faith and the courage to step forward into life 
because we know your goodness surrounds us. And we thank you for the promise of Christmas. And in Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.